Good night and go blue. This has been a production of WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. of WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. Evan right back to Madeira. He will feed it to Cogliano. Cogliano puts a shot on, he scores! Andrew Cogliano at the top of the far face-off circle risks a shot that I don't think Dominic McCary saw and beats him over the left shoulder. Wolverines with another power play goal. They are back in front, 3-2. to two. Well, uh, <clears throat> good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and my partner, Jim Dwyer, was telling me last week that he was uh, a little reluctant to go to Florida. <laughs> I guess uh, the grandparents want to see uh, Jim's uh, lovely daughters, so they're uh, enjoying the beach down in uh, Florida. Lucky them. Florida actually is warm this time of year, and we're back in the cold. So he'll be uh, he'll be back uh, next week with us, um, which gives me an opportunity to uh, sort of get to some stuff that we didn't cover during the fundraiser. Ah, we're way behind in uh, some of our promised uh, material here on Gray Matters. Uh, in any event, uh, just a quick comment about the Oscars. I actually watched the last hour or so, maybe for the first time in a decade. Um, didn't think much of Ellen DeGeneres as the host or the MC or whatever she's calling herself these days. But uh, obviously the two big winners were uh, Martin Scorsese and Al Gore, of all people. Um, Scorsese's uh, greatest film, I think, is uh, Raging Bull. So it's uh, rather... Uh, Sad that he hadn't uh, hadn't actually won for Raging Bull, but uh, oh well, it's a lifetime achievement, and some of the competition this year I think was a little below the usual standards. I think he's back with his uh, sort of traditional uh, crime terror thriller, and of course, Taxi Driver is a very important uh, movie, but it's the body of work that Martin Scorsese has produced over the. The years, uh, I think, that uh, won him this award, and I can't remember the name, the longtime uh, film editor, uh, female, that uh, Schoomaker, I know, is her last name. But uh, she finally got an Academy Award as well, I believe. So he was the big winner. And then, of course, Al Gore uh, was sort of the rock star at the, uh, at the Oscars. And uh, not a bad thing in terms of uh, what Al Gore is pursuing. I don't think he's uh, going to be running for president, so we won't even speculate about that. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, global warming, as he put it, is, uh, is not a political issue. It's a moral issue. And we've talked about global warming repeatedly over the years down here on Gray Matters, even dating back to the 1980s. Uh, when it was still a uh, controversial subject. We, of course, recently learned uh, just uh, about a month ago that ExxonMobil, 
uh, which, by the way, is probably the big winner from the Iraq war. They've racked up about $100 billion of profits uh, since the price of oil uh, went up as a result of our invasion of Iraq. Of course, uh, it was revealed that um, ExxonMobil had uh, paid out about $14 million, so we're talking here just a drop in the bucket in terms of their uh, revenue flow. Uh, the profits that they've been making in recent years are just absolutely obscene. And, uh, of course, this $14 million was uh, dispensed to various quote-unquote scientists that were bought and paid for that would create a global warming Doubt in the minds of the public. Uh, this is a, a very familiar tactic that corporations and uh, naysayers always uh, utilize uh, in terms of uh, trying to create controversy and doubt when there really isn't any doubt. Um, we've talked repeatedly about the notion that, uh, the, the, you know, the data on uh, global warming, of course, is at some level imprecise. Uh, I think it's relevant, for instance, that the city of Tokyo, and I read this somewhere, averages 10 degrees per day warmer uh, than it did 100 years ago. Japan, of course, is a very developed uh, society, and they have accurate uh, thermometer readings. And, of course, the BBC has had a variety of uh, stories on global warming because the British are avid gardeners, and they have recorded uh, changes in... Uh, shall we say, the blooming of certain uh, flowering trees and flowers and that these uh, flowers last considerably longer than they used to. Uh, we've pointed out repeatedly that there is nothing but science that backs up uh, the uh, issue of global warming, although I think climate change is maybe a, a better way of thinking uh, about the subject. And the opponents have never actually provided science. What they've provided is political controversy and debate. And, of course, uh, the known science is that uh, temperatures have uh, warmed between 1 and 2 degrees Fahrenheit over the last century. In a way, that doesn't sound like a lot. But as I noted uh, back in the uh, couple of weeks ago, uh, in the 60s and 70s, which were considered cooler decades in the 20th century, uh, I speculated that leaded gasoline was actually responsible for that problem, and that once we got rid of leaded gasoline, we actually uh, the, the leaded gasoline it actually caused some temporary cooling. So I'm not proposing that we go back to global warming, but just to appreciate the relevance of Al Gore's um, uh, movie, uh, and just in today's New York Times, an article by Andrew uh, C. Revkin who's covered the subject for uh, many years uh, as the science editor of uh, the New York Times, has this uh, interesting uh, story about there's going to be an international study to examine the uh, role of the, both the North and South Pole in terms of uh, understanding, quote, the dynamics of ice, oceans, and life at the ends of the Earth. But it's this remarkable uh, paragraph that I just wanted to focus on Particularly urgent, Rufkin writes, many experts said is the need to understand, uh, improve the understanding of the complicated forces that might cause warming ice sheets in Greenland and parts of Antarctica to flow more quickly into the sea. We've noted, by the way, in the past, and the scientists have pointed this out, 
that it's not the melting of the Arctic Ocean that causes the sea levels to rise. It's the uh, glacial uh, retreats that are that are documented to be occurring all over the world, whether it's in the Andes, the Kilimanjaro, the uh, Himalayas, um, even here in North America, particularly in Alaska, and of course Greenland uh, and 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 Antarctica. Greenland's vast ice cap is twice the size of California, and it holds as much water as the Gulf of Mexico. If it is all melted, sea levels from Boston to Bangladesh would rise more than 20 feet. So uh, this is what uh, it, it should be of real concern um, to all people on the globe. The United States is uh, not lifted a finger, really, in the area of global warming. Yes, there's some uh, small efforts here and there. It's actually remarkable that uh, Schwarzenegger, Governor Schwarzenegger of California, is actually one of the leaders uh, in America in terms of promoting uh, substantive uh, energy efficiency and all those things. Uh, I, of course, uh, don't subscribe to some of the, um, shall we say, uh, uh, proposals. Uh, Bush, for instance, in the last couple of weeks has been out uh, promoting ethanol. And I think that there are all kinds of problems with the ethanol panacea, uh, particularly the fact that uh, in America, and it's, it's highly questionable, by the way, that we should even be uh, growing food to create uh, ethanol um, because, of course, corn production involves uh, tremendous uh, wasteful uh, fertilizers that are petroleum-based, et cetera. The organophosphates, as we've noted down here over the years, end up in the uh, Gulf of Mexico, creating the kill zone that's uh, bigger than the state of New Jersey. So it's this... Ice that's, that's frankly disappearing from Greenland, and this is, by the way, documented. Uh, Greenland's actual continent is being remapped because some of the ice that's uh, gone into the ocean thus far has revealed uh, not uh, solid land mass masses in some of these areas on the on the coast, but more like uh, fjords that uh, you you see in uh, in uh, uh, shall we say Scandinavia. Um, so I think that it's very important that uh, this scientific research uh, continue forward and that it is totally appropriate for the United States to take much more aggressive uh, steps to uh, deal with renewable resources. We saw tremendous wind just a couple of days ago here in the state of Michigan. Where are the wind turbines? Uh, nowhere to be found. Maybe you can find them in uh, Volvere. <laughs> The Almodovar movie, uh, as they're featured uh, in that movie for some strange reason, uh, due to the role of the east wind in uh, the myth of the ghost, etc., etc. It was one of the movies uh, that was had some Academy Award consideration. Where are the wind turbines uh, here in the United States? The United States is very slow to make commitments, and uh, this is very troubling. Um, of course, another interesting... Uh, consequence of uh, one of the proposed uh, solutions uh, to uh, global warming is this idea of these uh, mercury bulbs uh, that are being promoted by various corporations that I won't mention. Uh, these, of course, are these efficient uh, so-called fluorescent uh, light bulbs that uh, have real long life um, span, shall we say, 
But of course, the downside with them is that uh, <laughs> you have mercury uh, to deal with. So it's funny how every uh, proposed solution sometimes has side effects that uh, need to be examined um, further before we go, uh, um, shall we say, hell and high water into uh, some of these panaceas. But what is clear, what is indisputable, is that renewable uh, energy production from solar wind power and, uh, shall we say, geothermal uh, that's used, for instance, in Reykjavik, I Iceland, and is a legitimate uh, proposal to uh, heat, uh, heat water to create steam, to run turbines, to create electricity, et cetera, are the way to go. And the continued uh, subsidization of fossil fuels and uh, um, the, the policies, particularly of the last six years by the Bush-Cheney administration, have been particularly particularly uh, blind in their uh, vision. And uh, hopefully Al Gore can <laughs> move on to, uh, to more uh, exploration of this subject. Uh, it's certainly an important one, and I agree with him that it is not a political issue. It's really a, a moral one. What kind of uh, world are we going to live in in the future? And, of course, uh, maybe when uh, Florida... And a good chunk of Louisiana, as well as uh, some of our big cities on the East Coast, uh, find themselves inundated with water. Uh, we uh, may wake up. I've been reading just the past uh, weekend a book about Rudolph Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, who, of course, at the moment is the uh, putative uh, frontrunner in the uh, Republican Party. Grand Illusion, the untold story of Rudy Giuliani in 9-11. Uh, some interesting facts in the book. This, of course, is uh, written by Wayne Barrett and Dan Collins, and it uh, debunks some of the, uh, shall we say, hiography that has been going on regarding Rudy Giuliani and uh, how he sort of uh, created a myth about how uh, effective he was on 9-11. Uh, Certainly Giuliani's uh, leadership as a public spokesman uh, deserves a commendation, but... Uh, Wayne uh, Barrett is a longtime Village Voice um, editor and writer, and he goes really into the history of Giuliani's political career. And this book has just got startling uh, facts about uh, the corruption, the sort of uh, milieu of <laughs> questionable people that Giuliani appointed to the uh, uh, power structure, both in the uh, New York uh, Police Department as well as the Fire Department. And uh, one uh, blurb on the book, I think, sums up the book quite well. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend uh, is not the motto of this book. By the way, I think that might be a Mark Twain witticism. A tough but fair reappraisal of Rudy Giuliani's uh, role before, during, and after 9-11. Deploying facts galore, many revealed here for the first time, newsman Barrett and Collins, Hail uh, Giuliani's grace under pressure that horrible day. But uncover as well a sorry record of arrogance, cronyism, and managerial incompetence that made this catastrophe worse than it had to be. The substance, of course, of this book concerns some of the, um, uh, shall we say, reorganization uh, that occurred during Giuliani, Giuliani's tenure uh, in uh, uh, the 1990s, 
and that Giuliani did not learn the lessons of the first World Trade Center attack, uh, that there were enormous problems with radio frequencies, and that tragically uh, many of the firefighters and police officers that died uh, literally died because they didn't uh, get the information that they needed to evacuate the buildings. One of the interesting little reasons that I sort of link this to the global warming is uh, in the book um, Barrett and uh, Collins note that the wall, the wall that keeps, uh, shall we say, uh, New York Harbor uh, out of the World Trade Center um, did not fail that day, but that there would have been enormous uh, flooding problems in New York had the wall breached as a result of the tragedy of 9-11. And this wall um, that uh, surrounded um, the uh, World Trade Center, as it formerly existed on the site, uh, as he puts it, was sort of like a bathtub ring. Uh, and it's interesting. This is just one of the interesting facts in the book that uh, illuminates some of the uh, aspects of 9-11 that are particularly uh, troubling. Um, I'm not going to go into elaborate uh, conspiracy theories about 9-11 at this point, but I did want to mention something that I did find exceedingly odd. Um, I'm going to see if I can find this little uh, nugget. I've got it written down um, because uh, this is uh, strange indeed. At one point, uh, Giuliani had appointed a guy named Richard Shire, who was on a so-called Office of uh, Emergency Management, which was, according to the authors, not uh, effectively uh, working or functioning as as an agency when 9-11 actually happened. And uh, for some strange reason, Richard Shire, who uh, survived uh, 9-11, actually went straight to the North Tower. This is the first uh, Trade Center tower that was hit by the plane uh, because he was under some strange assumption that this is where the command center was going to be set up for such an emergency. Uh, It turns out, of course, that the command center was... uh, Oddly uh, positioned in uh, at the World Trade Center building number seven, which eventually did collapse. Uh, reasons for its collapse uh, still remain somewhat unexplained, but it seems that it was caused by the fact that there was a lot of diesel fuel and whatnot stored in the basement of World Trade Center number seven. Um, how this fuel got ignited, you know, eight hours later is a little unclear. I don't think that's ever been answered. But at one point, Shirer um, tried to, quote, set up a triage center, um, as, as he puts it, from the North Tower, uh, and um, wanted to set up a triage center at the lobby of trade, World Trade Center Building Number 7. And I'll just read from the book here. But it wasn't Shire's only misfire that day. He recounted later that when Rotans, and he's talking about a, an aide, a deputy, uh, called from the command center and, quote, told me that there were other planes unaccounted for, Shire told the people in the lobby that another plane was on the way, instantly converting unspecific information into a very specific false alarm. All Rotants actually knew from a Secret Service agent 
he saw in the building was that there were unconfirmed reports of planes in the air. Shire's dangerous extrapolation spooked the chiefs in the lobby and quickly wound up on fire and police department dispatches. The camera in the North Tower caught much of what was happening that morning, and at one point, Shirer's voice is heard in the lobby telling Fire Commissioner Tom Van Ness and Tommy, Tommy, there's another plane coming. Now, how on earth does this guy know this? <laughs> um, of course, at this point, the South Tower had not been hit, um, and he got information about the other plane and then apparently uh, evacuated uh, World Trade Center Building Number 7 because he was summoned to join Giuliani at 75 Barclay Street, where the police had set up a uh, command post. Well, it turns out, of course, the police commissioner was Bernie Carrick. And in one of these strange uh, situations, this guy was promoted to police commissioner with very questionable uh, qualifications. And at one point, George Bush tried to promote Bernie Carrick to uh, become the commissioner of um, or a security expert on uh, in in Baghdad in Iraq, and that uh, appointment ran into all sorts of problems right off the bat. Of course, it turns out that Carrick had all sorts of ethical problems, and he withdrew his nomination after one week of uh, shall we say negative press reports about his uh, actual financial shenanigans and moral ones. And it's very strange that uh, it turned out um, Carrick was having a, an affair with uh, Judith Reagan, who, of course, uh, famously got in the news about three or four months ago because of a bizarre uh, book that she wanted to uh, publish uh, with, with respect to O.J. This is a kind of a, a Fox. Uh, she, she was working in the Fox uh, News Corporation's milieu of... Shell corporations and publishing units, et cetera. And she's published a whole lot of trash over the last um, decade or two. We won't go into some of her um, literary tastes, but uh, pornography seems to be one of her uh, expertises. And it's fascinating that this little milieu is uh, sort of connected to uh, Giuliani and his uh, now apparently leading, uh, leading the Republican Party in these uh, preliminary polls. It's just fascinating stuff. Of course, uh, Giuliani has been able to cashier uh, enormous speaking fees. Uh, and the book goes into all of these absolutely incredible sums of money that Giuliani is being paid by organizations all over the world um, because he's seen as this hero of 9-11. I think this book debunks a lot of the, the hero uh, worship. Uh, it's certainly not to... Uh, Shall we say that, uh, you you know, as the blurb put it, um, that Giuliani's uh, uh, grace under pressure. um, Indeed, there was an element of grace under pressure, but uh, Giuliani uh, ignored many of the recommendations regarding setting up uh, actual working radios. He apparently had some uh, very corrupt uh, um, corporate uh, connections to Nextel. Uh, and Motorola, and they were involved in, frankly, why the radio uh, communications uh, broke down that day uh, to some degree. And uh, he's been able to cashier this uh, celebrity status that the media has foisted upon him, as well as the American people, 
uh, into really a multi-millionaire. Uh, we're not talking here about a couple of million dollars. We're talking about tens of millions of dollars, maybe even as much as a hundred million dollars. It's amazing stuff. And of course, uh, Giuliani was able to set up a uh, consulting corporation after 9-11, after he left the mayor's office. And for a time, he even wanted to uh, stay as, as mayor for a little extra time uh, in violation of uh, New York's mayoral laws. So I highly recommend this book, Grand Illusion, The Untold Story of Rudy Giuliani. It's uh, recently been published, and I think that it uh, is well worth reading if you're uh, interested in the GOP's frontrunner. <laughs> Uh, Giuliani, of course, has his own problems within the Republican uh, Party. It's been it's well established and rumored that the conservative media or the conservative element, the evangelical Christians, are not happy with any of the three frontrunners and that they're looking for their own candidate, whoever that might be. Uh, Newt Gingrich seems to be uh, <laughs> contemplating a run, uh, so we'll see. Um, but uh, read this book if you uh, want to believe the legend of Giuliani, because it's uh, sobering uh, information about, uh, well, how politics really works, uh, how uh, people create images, perceptions of what they are like, and sell this to the public ad nauseum. You know, grace under pressure, I was tough that day, and I'm tough against the terrorists, and blah, blah, blah. But the reality turns out that Giuliani was mainly obsessed with, of course, his own image uh, and his uh, crime-fighting uh, techniques uh, were very effective as a political ploy uh, to present the tough image of himself. Um this is an interesting book, and of course, I even learned a few things about 9-11. Well, on to other uh, cronies uh, in our, our world, our sorry world today. Uh, Dick Cheney, of course, is, uh, well, he's in Pakistan telling uh, Musharraf that he's got to get tough. Apparently, the Bush administration has finally found out that uh, the Taliban and al-Qaeda are uh, resurgent uh, in Afghanistan. Never mind that this has been <laughs> really a developing story for quite some time and is part of the criticism of the uh, focus of our military uh, troops in Iraq. Last week, of course, uh, Tony Blair announced the uh, proposed uh, scheduled withdrawal of some troops, British troops, from uh, from Iraq, and uh, it turns out, of course, the substance of why they're really withdrawing the troops is they don't have enough troops, the British, that is, don't have enough troops uh, at their disposal for the uh, NATO operations in Afghanistan. So Dick Cheney, uh, globetrotting Dick Cheney, um, was in Australia trying to shore up uh, one of the few remaining uh, members of the Coalition of the Willing, um, in uh, Prime Minister Howard, who, of course, is apparently up for uh, re-election himself uh, later this year and may uh, go down uh, with the rest of the coalition of the willing. Berlusconi lost. Uh, can't remember the exact uh, guy that was in charge of Spain, but he uh, was defeated. Uh, he was part of the coalition of the willing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what does Dick Cheney do while he's over in uh, Australia, he starts throwing around all this rubbish about uh, China, 
praising them for participating in the North Korean agreement, but then making this uh, rather bizarre statement. Last month's anti-satellite tests, China, and I'm quoting here, China's continued fast-paced military buildup are less constructive and not consistent with China's stated goal of peaceful rise, quote-unquote. Well, I don't know that there was a... I don't know that there were any tests. I think that they shot down an obsolete satellite that uh, we apparently have done in the past. And I'm a little unclear uh, why China is being, uh, shall we say, scolded publicly by Dick Cheney uh, for uh, military buildups. Um, it's the United States that is building the troops up. We, we uh, There have been countless stories over the past uh, week or two about the problems that the Bush administration is is having with all of these um, occupations uh, that are going on. Bush, of course, candidate Bush was the one that was telling uh, America back in uh, 2000 when he was running for president that our presence in Bosnia was straining our military and that we had a hollow military, uh, never mind that the Bosnian uh, participation of our troops was something like 10,000. Uh, of course, uh, do we have enough troops to uh, deal with the resurgent al-Qaeda Taliban problem in, in Waziristan and Pakistan? Who knows? But uh, Dick Cheney and George Bush seem to be the last Americans to figure it out. And it's pretty scary when you consider that they're in charge. And, of course, the saber-rattling continues um, with respect to Iran. And we're just about out of time, but uh, one little item from the London Review of Books that I would recommend is a, a brief article in the 25th of January edition, London Review of Books, by Norman Dombey. Uh, he's written in the past about, um, and he's been a skeptic, incidentally, of the, uh, he was a skeptic before the war uh, in Iraq about Saddam Hussein's uh, military capability. He talks about... Uh, you know, the real issue of enri highly enriched uranium and why it was unlikely that Saddam Hussein actually uh, was anywhere close to having a bomb. Uh, he, of course, notes that uh, Iran is in a different situation and that uh, India and Pakistan, <laughs> good old Pakistan, uh, the place where uh, America really should be paying attention uh, to the uh, resurgent Taliban and the attacks. And by the way, these attacks that have been occurring in Pakistan, these are not really, uh, you know, the, the American media is more interested in the Oscars and Anna Nicole Smith's uh, <laughs> decomposing body and, and uh, you know, the astronaut that went on the 900-mile jaunt to uh, rough up some rival, romantic rival. It's all, it's, it's all, you know, the typical American media stuff. But the, meanwhile, in Pakistan, there have just been, and in that whole area of the world, there have been a variety of terrorist attacks recently. And, of course, it's globally keeps being reported that far from uh, eliminating terrorism, the Iraq war has, has vastly increased terrorism around the globe, uh, particularly in the areas where the United States is attempting to muscle its way in with its military. But on the issue of Iran... Um, he, he notes that the Iraq reactor, uh, Iraq, that's the uh, one in Iran, um, is certainly more suitable for producing plutonium than the OSIRAC uh, Iraq, uh, Iraq uh, reactor that the Israeli military bombed back on June 7th of 1981. Quote, it can run on natural uranium fuel, 
and he notes 0.7% uranium-235, 99%, 0.3% uranium-238, so that the irradiated fuel rods would be a good source of plutonium. Israel and India obtain plutonium for their weapons programs from this type of reactor. Hmm. Well, he pretty much reveals that Israel does have the bomb. Um, but certainly more on this uh, subject in, in 